0: Good afternoon, Room Twenty. Good afternoon, Miss Who's hungry? Me. Yeah, excellent.
1: It's lunchtime at Rowandale School in Manurewa.
2: Okay, guys, come and get your food. The brownies are under here. Take a brownie and uh, cheese.
1: These seven-year-olds are all eating pretty much the same thing.
2: Yeah, vegetarian halal.
1: Actually, the entire school of 600-plus pupils and teachers are eating chicken and rice packed into little cardboard boxes. That's because they are part of Kaora Ora Ka Ako, the $130 million free school lunches programme. It started in 2019 and now reaches more than 222,000 students at 989 schools, about a quarter of all schools. But with record food prices putting households under stress, should every child at every school get them? I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today on The Detail, I'm at Rowandale to find out how the government's school lunch programme works and why food charities are still having to top it up hi, hi. so tell me what you've got for lunch here uh, chicken nugget and juice so you've got you you all got a chocolate brownie yeah lucky i have these okay what's that these um these are chocolate chickens chocolate yeah. chickens oh. okay at this school, the lunches are made and delivered by Life Church on Mondays and Fridays and a Pit-a-Pit franchise Tuesday to Thursday. And you'd think it would be a no-brainer signing up for the free lunch programme, but this school did not rush in. Here's Principal Carl Vassau and Deputy Vincent Naidu to explain how it was already working
0: with charities. We've had a strong connection with uh, Kids Can, and with Eat My Lunch and other providers, every day our school would make close to 200 sandwiches. And so we would have um, our breakfast crew that would make breakfast in the mornings for our children under the Kids Can program. Then they would start making sandwiches. We would have fruit in schools every day. We would also have milk in schools and the breakfast. So we've had lunches at our school um, at the cost of the, on the school. For a number of years, but since this program now it's provided for us
1: how is this program different
3: this this program has helped uh, support us even further from you know the, the support that we were providing to our students um, you know with, with the meals coming in every every single day uh, the uptake on that from students initially was not as great simply because you know different types of meals healthy meals we initially had Sort of a fair bit of wastage, you know, where students were not actually eating them simply because they were getting used to what was, you know, placed on the table for them. But now the the wastage is barely, it's, it's minimal now. Mm. They
0: Absolutely. provide for our Muslim, our Hindi families, our vegetarians. Most of our children don't eat anything unless it's deep fried, it's brown or it's got some sauce on it. And so a good example is my own son who comes to this school. We know exactly what he eats, and when we first saw these, these foods, like Vincent said, it, was, it took a while for the children to get used to them. But, like all things, once they saw their friends eating it, once they saw the teachers eating it as well, good modelling of this food, it's um, very little, like Vincent said,
3: very little wastage now.
1: Do you both believe that this this is the right kind of scheme.
3: Um, obviously, it's made a difference, uh, you know, to to our students. But I still think the program, you know, st- still needs a little, uh, you know, distance to go in, in terms of the different providers as well. Uh, the ones that, that we have currently, uh, I, I know initially we had a few little, you know, teething problems with them in terms of delivery, the timing, the administration of the whole thing. So... We're at a stage now where it's actually working quite efficiently. And I think, you know, looking at the the model, um, children that are fed well and have
0: full stomachs um, do well in education. And they learn better, they engage better, and they feel better about themselves. So we've had some children in the past that have come to school hungry. And schools have worked really hard to ensure that we've bridged that this kind of um, initiative has helped some of our struggling families. Don't get us wrong. Many of our families before this free lunches scheme came in were bringing, uh, sending their children to, to school with wholesome, beautiful, packed lunches from families that sometimes people would stereotypically say, oh, how do you afford that? Because they, uh, they prioritised about lunches. Others, it just wasn't part of their um, ability or their priority. And so this kind of lunches programme takes one worry away from some of our families. Families still stock up their children's lunchboxes just in case.
1: What we're hearing now, day in, day out, are stories of the, the rising cost of living, how difficult it is to get good food that's enough to feed your family. What are you seeing here?
0: The pinch and the struggle is real for everybody. But more so for our community, we can only control uh, what happens within our gates. And so when a child comes and they are hungry, we feed them. If a family comes and they are in need of assistance, we try to support them. There's no questions asked. It's what we're dealing with as a hungry child. Doesn't matter how they were hungry, we just have to deal with that. And that's what we can control here. Come on, let's go to lunch. Yeah, yeah let's go to lunch. You need your cup of tea? Okay. In the
1: staff room, I meet teacher Carolina Kasi Sangoti.
0: Not many
2: families in our area can afford to have like lunches every day. So having the programme set up here at school, it gives the children no excuses to not have food and their parents not have a reason for them to stay home. They can be here at school still learning and
1: have food provided for them. So what, are you saying that the the parents might keep the children at home if they can't haven't got a lunch. Yeah,
2: pretty much. So it does go like that. Um, Before we had the lunches, it was a problem. That's why the parents weren't sending their children to school, saying, oh, I didn't. They're really, really shy, though. And so when I do call up as a teacher and say, oh, you know, your child's been away for a couple of days now. And they go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm really embarrassed. We don't have any food to bring for their lunches. So it's just easier for us to be at home. I said, "Okay." so... After that, it was easier for us to have the lunches here and explain to the parents it 's okay we 've got food here, um, bring your child to school and so they were so happy
1: and you see the attendance get picked you know pick up from that and I suppose if it 's across the board so every child gets a lunch yes does that make a big difference in terms of Making it just part of your school day, you know that you're going to go to school and have get your lunch. We need our children to, you know, eat
2: because it opens up our minds for them, you know, or they open up their minds to learn. Do you
1: see a difference between a a hungry child and a child that's definitely, yes. In what
2: way? Well, um, so if they've missed breakfast in the morning, so they'll come in, and you'll see them all sluggish. I'm like, okay, and I'll go up to them and say, Have you had breakfast this morning? And they're like. No, I us. Okay, that's fine. So we've got a teacher here who runs it. So I'll you know, quickly go run to her. And say, oh, can you just quickly make some wheat backs or some toast? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as they eat, they've come back and the eyes are brighter and they're ready and they're listening. They're ready.
1: That's vegetarian, isn't it? That, and are you going to eat that? Yeah, later. Later. Yeah. Why are you going to eat it later?
4: Because
1: um, I'm going to eat my stoppers. Well, the kids seem happy, but let's find out what the free lunches mean for two mums who work at the school and have children here, Mina Tamatoa and Pollyanna Paesi. Mina says high food costs are a huge burden for parents at this school, which under the old decile system was ranked the very highest level of need. Yeah,
5: that's pretty much our deficit as, as parents, is, as, you know, that worry of, Sending your child to school and there's no lunch and um, nothing for them to eat. Um, education is important for our children and food is something that's um, vital for our children. Um, brain function and how they think and so they need that food um, in order to learn. So yeah I've always felt that it um, having food provided in the schools was
6: a great blessing. Uh, even on our parents, like you could see when they come to enrol, and they're filling out the form for lunches, and um, then when they're told that it's provided by school, they're like really surprised, and a lot of them are really quite thankful. Um, I guess I'm kind of, I'm that parent who, for example, before the lunches were provided, if I didn't have lunch for my kid, I would rather stay home, you know, than than come to school. Um, so Why? Because I felt that it's embarrassing if they were here with no food, for example. So I'd rather they stay home than kind of feel that embarrassment. So,
5: Yeah, I've been um, witnessing a lot of parents um, who enrolled their children. In, yeah, you can actually see the weight lift um, when they see the lunch provided, you know, in their faces. They're so
1: grateful, they're so happy. For some children, might this be the only meal that they're getting?
6: Yeah, I would think so. I think you can tell because we have students who would prefer to take... Like, if it's left over, they're actually asking if they could take it home. And we have others, yeah, who really come out and say it, that they're wanting to take this home for their families um, because they don't have any food at home. So, yeah, definitely, that's kind of... It's sad, but that's the dire need that we're facing.
5: And the children, some of them come to the sick bay, sore head, haven't had a proper meal,
1: um,
5: lost sleep, um, so we um, feed them here because they just don't have um, that means um, at home with their so own family
1: right so it all boils down to the fact that they're hungry yes um,
5: it is truly our reality here in our area there's many children that, and and not only that but the amount of children that they might have in their families so if there is leftovers I really admire the teachers that do give um, the children that have larger families the leftover.
1: Is this enough then? You know, the free lunches in school, the milk in schools, the fruit in school, is it enough?
6: Does more need to be done in terms of feeding the children? Um, Definitely highlights food security issues that um, you know we kind of don't really think too much about until we actually see it, especially in schools. And um, is it enough? I don't think so. I mean, if they're taking food home because they feel that's the only way they're going to get food in the evening, then... It's not enough. What, what else yeah. do you think should be done? I'm not too sure what the, what the solution would be, but how else can they subsidise or provide food vouchers or you know, for families? Or I really don't know. It's just how do you cope with the rising prices each time?
4: The need hasn't gone away. The government school lunches have met a particular need, fantastic, but we've kind of uncovered more needs as a result of, of that. It's highlighted it more.
1: Derek Good is the chair of Feed the Need, a charity set up in 2012 to provide hot meals in schools. So it was really done out of its own job when the government launched free school lunches. Now the charity is trying to fill other gaps and finding that it's not that easy.
4: And as we've mentioned, you know, kids come to school with an empty stomach, they don't study very well. They go home to an empty cupboard, what's the life like? You know, eating... And drinking—that is our fundamental need as humans. So, with that being taken away or made difficult, everything else doesn't seem to matter that much.
1: So, how did it all begin?
4: Well, so Kerry Owen was the founder, and mm-hmm. she um, she's a bit of visionary. I mean, literally has it having kind of dreams about this stuff. She had this vision to have um, kids at school have healthy, hot lunches, and in particular for South Auckland. And um, immediately set about trying to get some help and funding organised with that funding and Hugh Green Foundation was one of the biggest contributors uh, set up a kitchen in the Salvation Army offices in Mount Wellington so they have a great store there and we've been working with them for some time. So So it was
1: specifically lunches at the time? Yes
4: that's really what the whole plan was. So if you like they kind of met that need when the government made that announcement in 2018 so that's kind of when the shift happened for Feed the Need. Um, moving away from that because the, the government could reach way more schools than, than fee than he could. And there was nine, nine schools and two kindergartens at its peak. So since then, and we had COVID, of course, in between all that, that really impacted what we did, but switched a little bit to offering supplementary food to families. Um, we created what were called Fano packs that would basically be a breakfast and a dinner for a family and then some weekend packs as well that they could, that they could take home. So we had sheds literally set up, that food could come in and and be stored there and families could take what they needed.
1: And that's still happening now. And No,
4: so so that was again a phase that, yeah. that went through and then our funding for that kind of ended so we couldn't keep supplying those. I mean, we left the sheds with the schools and from there we kind of shifted our focus a little bit to kids that were in transitioning out of foster care. Mm-hmm. So when you're in foster care, I mean, that's not always a wonderful experience. And then shifting out of foster care, suddenly they're on their own, 19, they're in a place of their own and normally didn't really have anything so we started to put together packs for them to have so this is a big box 120 dollars worth of food that could keep them going for quite some time yeah so that was a focus then we went on to uh, food vouchers so we worked with a company called everybody eats based out of wellington Um, but most recently we have moved into providing those supplementary packs snack packs we call them a weekend packs for children at at, uh, these schools because we found out of course that the lunch is doing a great job but still, as you said, some are turning up hungry, mm. some are going home to empty cupboards, so providing something for them in, in that regard. And that's kind of our focus now for the next uh, for the rest of 2023, is food parcels for those transitioning out of um, foster care and snack and weekend packs for the schools that, uh, that need them.
1: How many snack and weekend packs would you do, do you think? About
4: 1,500 packs in total.
1: But it's not every
4: week, no. is it? We don't have the funding. No.
1: Really, that's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, is, is, does it work? It feels like you've gone no, from one thing to the next yeah. to the next to the next. Is that because you set up one thing that's been successful, sure. so you move on to that's the next? That's definitely thing?
4: how that's that's how it's gone from the perspective of the of the charity. Now, one of the issues that we have is that Kerry, who's the founder, has lots of relationships, and um, you know, some of them have said, "If you move back from the US, we will." fund you again. So it's about re-establishing those, um, those Who relationships. Who The government? No, oh, no. These are independent organisations. Oh, I see.
1: These are partners for, or yeah. sponsors or yes, correct. big businesses. Yep. Yeah.
4: Um, we've overhauled our website. It's, it has been quite static for a while, so we've recently overhauled that to make it easy for people to donate. So people can just go on a website now, click a button and donate. So, and we've made it easy for them to say, if you want to donate a, a snack pack, $3. You know, If you want to donate a weekend pack, $10, you know, and they can just click this and know that they've done something.
1: Do you feel it works?
4: I feel like we aren't doing anywhere near enough. I feel like we've got so much room to, to, to grow. It's, but it, it's something. It's a bit like the starfish um, analogy, you know. At least we're making a difference to that person on that day, and that's kind of where we feel at least we can do something.
1: Why can't you be bigger, grow more?
4: Well, there's a couple of reasons. I think, one, when you have a volunteer basis, there are people that are all working is that you can't donate the amount of time that you want to in, in that space. Now, it doesn't mean we have to do everything. We also have on our website a volunteer button. People want to do that on a regular basis. We can start to plan this on a on a regular basis. We can do 100 packs a week to your school every every school week that's, that's running, and that will give them the ability to say, great, we've got consistency that we can provide, because at the moment it's really hit and miss.
1: So is the demand there... But you're unable to meet that demand at the moment. Sure. Yeah. Because I've got a note here that says your demand has doubled since October.
4: Well, this is one of the, that's only one of the um, areas. So the foster kit, the, the it's actually the food parcels, which is another thing that we do. We have we are doing double those food parcels, we could do a lot more. Mm-hmm. We have partners that, you know, we, with Great Potentials is an outlet for us. They are, they are dealing with people in the community and families that just don't have anything. And they've asked us for, for double what we can, what we can't provide it at the moment. That's another area that we can, we can try and meet. And yeah. with more funding, we could do it. And as an example, we have people that have great intentions. We were contacted by a Singapore chain, in uh, a hotel chain based in Singapore. They really wanted to do something with us. Why? Um, because they have a hotel, two hotels here. And they said, we want to use some of our profit to help. Great. They got hold of us. They saw our website. They said, this is the sort of thing we want to do. It's taken six, seven, eight months. And now they said, oh, we haven't decided what we want to do yet. You know, we've had the proposal to them. We've given them, this is what your money could be used for. They've given us a budget. We said, this is what you can do. This is exactly what you'll see as a result. This is the relationship you can have with these schools. And my last communication with them was, uh, "Oh, yeah, no, we haven't, we haven't decided what we're going to do."
1: So it sounds like it's almost too hard.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not too hard, but it's, it, you know, it's not easy mm. for, for sure.
1: But so, it's but... it's sort of up and down, hit oh, and miss. Yeah. So what could be done? Because there must be are there other organisations like yours that? Well, have...
4: you've got Kids Can and well, mm. places like that. There's lots of charities going off and, and doing things, and we don't necessarily want to compete and say ours oh, is better and whatever. We just want to say, well. With all of that that's going on, there's still a gap. You know, we, we could pick up five schools tomorrow and say, what do you need? And they'll say to us, we need, you know, 100 packs every day. That's one school.
1: So how could it be done better? You know, the feeding the need, giving the food.
4: We, we don't have a consistency of, of donations. So, if we had a consistency of donations, we'd be able to plan better, so we are working through how we get more people on board and make that happen mm. and I'm not talking about just people on the website clicking three dollars once, and that's it. talking about an organization that once put in three hundred thousand dollars, you know with that we can make a, a massive forecast and say right we can we can start to meet this need that's out there in these particular in these particular areas.
1: but how do you get that consistency of donations
4: relationships, people seeing that you know that they trust what's going to happen with, yeah. their, with their money and results that are going to happen. So for us, yes, it is more funding. I'm not sure, I'm not talking about the government. When, when we've never been to the government to get funding. It's been around private, you know, businesses. Lots of people pay money to charities, maybe some more investigation of what's happening with our money, how much of it gets to the end of the, of the line, mm. um, and, you know, being involved. You know, some of those organisations might actually want to do some of the work.
1: Back in room 20, this class is getting a prize for topping attendance rates at 90%. room 26 at 27. Congratulations
2: to those classrooms. I'll be visiting you very shortly with a little gift. Oh, gee! we come to school every day. We'll get a treat somehow. I like way, right?
0: Some of the things we were looking at in relation to this food was better attendance, better achievement, better engagement. We're definitely seeing that with children uh, because of being able to provide breakfast in the mornings, being able to provide lunch, fruit, um, water during the day. You know, And, and these things we can definitely see uh, ha- as having a positive effect on children's engagement at least. Um, achievement, yes. But it's not the only thing. But happy, well-fed children who are warm will learn better.
1: The detail asked the Education Minister's Office if there are plans to put more money into the programme in this month's budget so it will reach more children. It did not respond. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. That's it for today. I'm Sharon brett Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Derek Good, Carl Vassau and the staff and students of Rowandale Primary, especially Room 20, who really made my day.
3: How old are you? How how old do you think I am? Um, 15
1: 15! Oh! Yes! No, a bit older than 15, but not much older. 50. Yeah, but that's a bit closer. Yeah. yeah oh, did you say 50? Yeah, that's close.